Let us pray. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word, and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Christ our Lord, amen. The first reading today is from Isaiah 6, 1-13. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tent remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. 
For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I really love ordinations and installations. One of the reasons is because I love the red stoles, and we don't get to wear them very often in the liturgical calendar. And so ordinations and installations are a loophole wherein we can wear our red stoles for the day. I love them almost as much as I love baptisms. Um, One of the things I look forward to most in my time as uh, a moderator in our presbytery over the next two years is the joy of moderating ordinations and installations all over the presbytery of all the work that I do in the church, of all the things that we celebrate together here. Baptisms, ordinations, and installations are my favorites. They are these precious, holy moments in the life of a congregation. And when the church has done well, it's work of raising up and selecting leaders and of nurturing disciples. They are powerful moments in the lives of individual people as well. I also love that this ordination and installation here falls on a Sunday just by Holy Spirit happenstance that the lectionary is so focused on the idea of being called. We have passages about the calling of Isaiah and Paul talking about his own call to preach the gospel. Today is a visible witness of God calling people up out of the pews and into leadership in the church. It's a visible representation of the direction that the congregation is choosing to move in. This is how you all have chosen to follow God's call as a church. Many people, when they are asked to serve as an elder or as a deacon, feel like Isaiah does in this passage this morning. Oh, this is really bad and nerve-wracking. I am a mess. Everyone around me is a mess. The world is a mess. What is God thinking And I know I felt like that when I was first asked to serve as a ruling elder at my home church. And again, when I realized that God was calling me to be a teaching elder, a pastor, I've sat with newly nominated elders and deacons throughout my years in ministry who have felt that same way. I've seen tears of awe and wonder as people take in the weight of the questions that they are being asked at their installations and ordinations. It is no small task. It is especially a daunting task when called to leadership at a time of crossroads like this congregation finds itself in lately. The future is kind of foggy. We can't see very far down the road right now. The gas tank is running low. We're not sure where the next gas station is. And every decision is vitally important if we are to get where God is asking us to go. But... 
God prepares us. Each and every one of us is prepared for the work that God calls us to. We see right after Isaiah has his little meltdown about, I cannot do this. It says one of the seraphim flew to him with a burning coal to cleanse him. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. You have been prepared for this, Isaiah. I threw a book across my office the other day. I don't usually throw books. I don't make that a habit, but this one made me really angry. Um, I actually think it's important to read things you disagree with because otherwise you will never see the downsides of your own opinions and thoughts and you close yourself off from real growth. That's how we learn and grow is by stepping out of our comfort zone. But this book was particularly maddening. It was supposed to be about church revitalization, but it was really just one long guilt trip for anyone who wasn't a young married man with a bazillion perfect kids and a wife in the kitchen making awesome cookies for the next church bake sale. Um, In other words, if you didn't fit that very specific model, you could not be in church leadership, period. It took one passage of scripture in which Paul describes the sort of person that makes a good church leader, and it turned it into a list of rules for the perfect pastor. Um, What's ironic is that the passage it was using was written by Paul, who was definitely single, was probably divorced, and who definitely placed some women in leadership in his ministry. Now, this sounds a little bit like a tangent, and before it becomes one, let me get to the point here. There is no perfect Pastor, in case you haven't met me yet, let me tell you for sure, there is no perfect pastor. I'm definitely not it. There is no perfect elder. There is no perfect deacon. So take a deep breath, my dear Marty, Clyde, and Bez. Uh, you can continue being imperfect. It's fine. Um, <laughs> amen. <laughs> that is not what this is about. God has already equipped you with everything you need to do. Um, in the job ahead. God will continue to equip you as we drive on through the fog in this uncertain season in the life of the church that you love so much. In 1 Corinthians, Paul explores what it looks like to be a witness. And he doesn't start out by saying, go knock on all the doors and put up all the flyers and invite all the people to church. That is not where Paul starts. He doesn't start with having the right set of knowledge to keep things running exactly how they've been running for 153 years. He doesn't hand them the book of order to read and memorize. He starts with remembering that he has received the gospel and so has the church. And that seems so simple and so basic, but we often get stuck in do all the things mode And we forget to set aside time to experience the gospel ourselves. But a good leader starts with their own spiritual life, with their own experience with the gospel, and everything else flows from that. We need to live into the experience of life with Christ, and then we move on to communicate to others how that has changed us. I had a hard time deciding which of the lectionary passages to stick with this morning because they're all really great. And ultimately, I decided uh, to share one more of them with you this morning because it's such a great picture of where we are right now in this congregation and in partnership with St. Andrews right now. Um, The passage is from Luke 5. 
chapter, or verses 1 through 11. This is the message translation. Once when he was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats, two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were out scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, Push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done. A huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come help out. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. Sound familiar? (laughs) When they pulled in that catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, there is nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats up on the beach, left them, nets and all, and followed him. Friends, you've been fishing all night. You've been fishing for many, many years. And in recent years, the nets seem to be coming up without much in them. And that is frustrating, and that is frightening, that is disheartening, and it is exhausting. So take a break. Stop. Scrub out your nets. Throw away the nets if you need to and make new ones. Allow God to renew you like God renewed Isaiah. Take Paul's advice to the Corinthian church and sit with the gospel for a while. Listen to Jesus. Really? Really listen. Jesus might tell you something ridiculous, like telling Simon to try again with the nets when it's no longer night and the fish have wandered back down into the deeper depths of the water for the day. When Jesus tells you to do something ridiculous and you actually listen and do it, that's when the miracles happen. Those freshly scrubbed and mended nets may still not be able to quite handle what God delivers. And that's why it's so important to be connected with other churches here in our own denomination, to be connected with churches of other traditions in our community, and with other community agencies near us, other groups that are doing God's good work of caring for people. Because we may need to call in a second boat sometimes. You already saw the fruit of that a couple years ago when St. Andrews and Emsworth decided to test out partnered ministry because guess what? It's working. It's better that both share in the abundance than to let the nets break and both go without. And this isn't about fishing for our sake. We don't always get to experience the direct results of our work. Simon didn't. They hauled in this gigantic haul of fish filling up two boats, and then they left. They left the boats, they left the net, they left the fish, everything behind, and let others reap the benefits of their work. We're not here to make the perfect church for us today, 
We're here to establish a church that will spread the gospel for generations after we are gone. So, my dear, beloved, about-to-be-ordained and or installed church officers, here is your mission for this coming year. I would say, should you choose to accept it, but you already missed the window for opting out of that one, so it's your mission, like it or not. (laughs) One, remember that God has prepared and equipped you for leadership in this season, even if you don't feel like it. Two, you are here because your story, your life, is evidence of the gospel at work. So live into that, and you will be a witness to all those around you. And finally, be ready for Jesus to say stuff that sounds silly, and then be ready to do stuff that sounds silly, and then be ready to call in another boat when that silly stuff turns out to be really effective. Others may complain and point out that you are fishing all wrong, and that's fine. Throw the nets out anyway when Jesus says to throw the nets out. Others may panic when the nets begin to groan and the fishing yields something they did not expect, and that's okay. Just call in another boat for help and pull those fish into the boat because it's not about the fish we caught yesterday or the way that we used to fish. It's about the way that Jesus is calling us to fish today. And everyone who is not being installed today or serving on the session this year, you're not off the hook. You have a mission as well. Here is yours. Firstly, please encourage your leaders regularly with reminders that God has equipped them for this and that you support them in their leadership. Elders who are serving this year, could you please stand for just a moment, those who are here? All of you, not just the ones being installed. Are you all here today? You are, aren't you? Are we missing anyone? We're not. Nope, that's everybody. Awesome. Okay, look at these fine folks and know they are steering the boat this year and they need a lot of encouragement and reminders that God has equipped them. Trust them and trust that God has equipped them for this. You may sit down, friends. Secondly, congregation, live into the gospel with these folks. Join us, the church leadership, as we dive deeper spiritually and seek to live out the gospel story and all we say and do as individuals and as a church community. And finally... When the leaders do things that seem to be fishing at the wrong time of day, please try to work with them and not against them. Trust that they have been in conversation with Jesus about this, that they aren't just incompetent and they aren't trying to rock the boat, pun intended. Oh! Cindy really liked my pun. Thanks, Cindy. (laughs) Couldn't have planned that better. Friends, Jesus is just unexpected. Jesus is wacky things sometimes that we could not see coming. And when the nets start to groan, grab a hold and help pull them back onto the boat. This season we are in as a church can seem uncertain and scary at times, but it is also full of exciting and weird things like motorcycles and functional fitness classes. Friends, I love being your pastor. 
And I love this exciting time that God has placed us in together. So let's go fishing. Amen.